0: Set with this comic book podcast Keep safe We're
1: talking about too old Two new comic
0: books On a podcast Two old Two new comic books. Okay, 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 okay. So, you know, it's Bill and Seth on the podcast. and You're going to tune in. You know, we all be talking about a Batman. Always. We'll be talking about two old and two new comic books. So stay tuned to every episode. Welcome to Two Old, Two New, Episode 9. My name is Bill Beer, and joining me as always, the Joker to my Batman, Seth Howard. Good evening. How's it going?
1: Oh, it's good. So I was waiting for the applause, but, you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let that canned applause in there and make me feel good for myself. So
0: <laughs> So, if you're listening to Too Old, Too New for the first time, we are a comic book podcast. Imagine that.
1: <laughs> you're right. Too Old, Too New comics. Who would have guessed? Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> we talk about two older books, five years and older and two newer books five years and newer
1: did you mention we are a spoiler podcast too remember so
0: we are a spoiler podcast we're going to spoil the heck out of these books some books are maybe more than 50 years old but
1: (laughs) right like today's maybe so but yes yeah we have old ones we have new ones it's great so uh yeah let's do this now that i've dispensed with your men your turn has come.
0: My old issue let me ex- give a little background when I first started reading comics and so back in the 80s when I started first reading comics, I uh, was turned on to the Justice League with Justice League International but it's different than the Justice League started out. It, it became more of a comedy book and then at one point the Justice League International spun off into another book called Justice League of Europe, uh, which I thought was very underrated. Just it's a comedy book. It's it's not Did what you would think <laughs> nowadays as a Justice League book. So my book is Justice League Europe number six from September nineteen eighty nine. It's written by Keith Giffen and J. M. DiMatteis, Art by Bart Sears, Inker Pablo Marcos, and colors by Gene D'Angelo. And as I said, this is a spin-off from Justice League International. And internationally you had Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Guy Gardner, Mr. Miracle. This is a spin-off, so it has some different characters, so I'll go down through here. I actually wrote down first appearances of some of these characters just to just to give you an idea how how long some of these characters have been around. So Uh, This team is actually led by Captain Adam, whose first appearance was Captain Adam uh, number 1. He was created by Carrie Bates and Pat Broderick. We have Wally West Flash, whose first appearance was in Flash 110 from 1959, created by John Broom, Carmine Infantino.
1: Uh, Infantino, good stuff. Sorry, yeah, I love it.
0: Uh, Power Girl, whose first appearance was in All-Star Comics, number 58, from 1976. Created by Jerry Conway, Rick Estrada, Wally Wood, and Paul Levitz. We have Animal Man, whose first appearance was in Strange Adventures, 180. Created by Dave Wood, Carmine Infantino. You see a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Metamorpho, uh, first appearance was the Brave Roll. Unbro- the Brave and the Bold, number 57, from 1965, created by Bob Haney, Ramona Freighter, and Elongated Man, First Appearance, Flash, Volume 1, number 112, 1960, created by John Broom, Carmine Infantino. So these characters have been around for a, a while, but at the time, these were like all B-list characters. They weren't your top-of-the-line characters, so... This issue starts is the Justice League Europe versus the Injustice League, an action adventure of ultimate heights. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, no. Not really, because <laughs> the the JLE have been asked to learn French since their station in Paris, France. You got to
1: talk about the cover. You got to talk about the cover.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that cover. There's. They're sitting in uh, class, basically. You know, it almost looks like your elementary school tables are all sitting in costume. And Captain Adam in the back is is writing, I will not talk in class. I yeah. will not talk in class. That's so great. But, yeah, they're taking French class with a, a teacher named Miss Kessler.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unbeknownst to the Justice League... They end up uh, in the same class with the JLE, but they're all, none of them are in costumes. They're all in regular clothes, mm-hmm. so they don't know each other at first. Uh, a hilarity ensues, and it's a battle of proportions in the classroom. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite scenes in here is, <laughs> you know, how the villain... Sometimes in these comedies, shouts, things, um, major disaster shouts. We're the Injustice League. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And say, You're shouting. He says, You ninny, we're criminals. Who cares if we wake them up? It's their job to break the law. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But, But their reason for. The villain's reason for uh, taking a French class is the next time they go and rob a bank, they won't be saying, when they want to say this is a stick-up, they won't be saying, dance with my ostrich's uncle. Right. (laughs) They want to learn this is a stick-up.
1: Yeah, they, they want to learn French, and the one keeps going, We should be in London. We should go to London.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rather than having them learn, we should be in London. <laughs> so, to go over this Injustice League real quick, uh, you have, ma- and these are all like D list villains. Yeah, D list villains. I mean, there's. Or F. <laughs> you got Major Disaster. You got the Mighty Bruce, who he's just a guy that Major Disaster met in prison and knows electrical things. Yeah. Multi Man, Big Sir, who's dumb as an ox, the Clue Master, and the Clock King, and the Clock King is always looking at the clock.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But uh, the French, the French teacher, when you first meet the French teacher uh, in class, she makes everybody uh, when she first starting to explain uh, about this class and everything. She makes it. Everybody say yes, Miss Kessler. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like it's elementary school. Yep, yep. Uh, There's even a scene near the end where everybody's fighting after the 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 Justice League Europe and the Injustice League are fighting. She makes them stop, and they all say yes, Miss Kessler.
1: Yeah, she stands in front of class just yelling, (laughs) "Yes, Miss Kessler."
0: And in this class, there's two – there's a couple things you don't want to do. The Number one is you don't want to chew gum. Nope. That is not a good idea. <laughs> no. Or you will be wearing the gum on the end of your nose. Yes. You know, it's funny.
1: I remember hearing stories of a teacher doing that when I was a kid.
0: Yeah. Oh, really?
1: Totally. It was the weirdest thing. I was like, I remember that. I don't remember anybody happening anybody, but I remember hearing the story of the teacher making them put it on their nose. So that was the funniest thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So multi-man ends up wearing chewing gum on his nose. Mm-hmm. You see him chewing, and then she says, no gum chewing. Then next, it's on his nose, and he looks a little upset. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, this is the biggie. When you're in the class, a class with the Justice League, and you figure out it's the Justice League, Do not write it down on a piece of paper to pass it to your buddy to warn him.
1: (laughs) Right. And and he pass it to a member of the Justice League to pass over to the Injustice League also.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then it gets caught by Mrs. Kessler, and she reads it out loud. Yep. And this is the point where the brawl ensues.
1: Yeah, they're all just fighting brawling in a classroom. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, I have to ask you. I remember when I initially said I was going to talk about this book. Right. You're like, ah, oh, this is dumb. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about reading this years later for the first
1: time? Oh my god, it's it's as cheesy and dumb as I remember reading it when I was younger. <laughs> you know, it was it was one of those one. It was like, well, not even just the scenes in the classroom. So like, um. When Ralph is talking to, um, you know, like first of all the art because it's the '80s. Yeah, back then I would remember, oh, that's cool. But looking at it now, it's like, oh my goodness, her hair. Um, Ralph Dibney's oh, yeah. always a goofy guy, anyway. But in the classroom, it, it reminded me of a if I had like an episode of Saved by the Bell <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and like Grease, the movie, put together, the good guys, bad guys in a classroom fight. It was it's total slapstick and it's hilarious. Like. Oh and even then the jokes like Red Fox talking about uh, when Ralph yeah. Dibney you know says <laughs> Sanford and Son never look so good because <laughs> there's a new new uh, hero in France running around calling herself the Red Fox and yeah but yeah. it it's one of those where I can look back and see now why a lot of these characters got a bad name and why they stayed B-list or C-list is because they were being written like this. Nobody ever took them serious. I mean, it, it was pretty bad. So.
0: And these guys were were even given – at one point, they were given a Justice League – was part of the Justice League Oh, oh yeah. so briefly – They were part of Justice League Antarctica. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It was like, I think it was, I'm not 100% sure. It was either an annual or a part uh, issue of Justice League Quarterly, but yeah. Wow. Hilarious stuff.
1: Well, and the thing is, you look at the crew that's there, the two that really have kind of branched out and kind of done their own or what they've done their own with is Power Girl and then Animal Man. Everybody else is still in that B-list category, you know? I mean, even then Animal Man and Power Girl would be B-list. Everybody else is like C-list now, I guess,
0: you know? And, and Wally West branched out. Oh, Wally West B-list. did, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah.
1: Wally did. Um, but beyond that, it was, and then like you said, the D-list <laughs> bad guys just made it even worse. But just the fact that they had the idea to go, hey, let's um, put them all in a class to learn French. <laughs> It's like who Oop, Oop brings that to the editorial board and goes, "Hey, we got this great idea." So.
0: <laughs> there is an issue coming up of JLE that has to do with a cat.
1: Did Batman throw it? No, no, no,
0: no he did not. So.
1: Nice. Yeah.
0: So that was my uh, old issue. I.
1: Uh, so it's definitely fun for a, a fun, lighthearted read. I mean, it's straight-up slapstick, almost like Three Stooges. Uh, and it, so it's funny seeing these superheroes in that position, you know. So, yeah. Well, like the part where the big guy was chewing gum, so she makes him take it out, and it's the size of a bowling ball. <laughs> she goes, better yet, let's just throw it away, you know, instead <laughs> of sticking on his nose. So, <laughs> And then you had uh, – She's just mean. And then Metallo, you know, was sitting there with his trench coat and his hat on, you know, just in class. So, so yeah, it was just, it was a great issue to read. It was kind of fun. So
0: (laughs) now not every issue is like this. There, there was, there was here and there, it was like about nothing basically, Mm -hmm. but like the first, this was number six, the first five issues or four issues had a, a story arc, and it was it it was like an action adventure, but there was some comedy and you know corny stuff mixed in. Yeah. But it was one of those things that I really enjoyed when I started uh, reading comics.
1: Yeah, this one is definitely corny. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good stuff. Things like that only happen in the movies, Robin. This is real life. You know, since our last episode, I talked about I was trying to branch out. On stuff other than DC, you know, because I'm a Batman freak and that's what I just kind of stick to. But um, I decided to branch out, but I'm still kind of sticking with stuff that I know or knew in the past. And uh, so my book for my new book um, is uh, the Venom Inc. Alpha Um, Venom. uh, If you guys remember from previous episodes, um, maybe the old podcast, I was talking about how when I first started reading comics, I used to read Spider-Man and Ghost Rider. Yep. Those were the two that I used to read. I, I quit reading Spider Man like after the whole Maximum Carnage storyline. I just can't remember why, but that was I remember that was the point when I ended quit reading because I started reading Batman more and just kind of stuck with that and then like Tells from the Crypt and all that. But I always enjoyed Venom and I really loved Carnage. You know, those are my two favorite that like where Batman has this whole line of bad guys that are just awesome. Spider Man had Venom and he had Carnage and they were just awesome. Like I didn't care about uh, Hobgoblin, that Maximum Carnage storyline that came out with Goblin, which I just didn't care for. Um, mm-hmm. But I always liked Venom and Carnage just because they were just crazy nuts, you know, just like these murderous, you know, <laughs> spider people. So so with that, I was like, man, I should really get back into Venom. What really pushed me over was that they're finally making a Venom movie, and they're casting Tom Hardy as Venom. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to like start reading Venom again. And I'm super stoked for the movie, but one because Tom Hardy's freaking amazing. Uh, Two, he's playing Venom, which would be a hundred percent better than Topher Grace playing Venom. So, (laughs) I mean, like a thousand percent better than Topher Grace playing Venom. So, (laughs) you know, and if anybody knows who Topher Grace is, he's Eric Foreman uh, from that '70s show. So, (laughs) so if you want to see the worst Venom of all, watch Spider-Man Three. So, (laughs) it was bad. It was terrible. And your first TV yeah, movie experience of Venom was that. It was so disheartening. And I remember hearing oh, probably six months ago, maybe longer, that, that they had cast Tom Hardy as Venom, as Eddie Brock. And I forgot about it until um, he made an appearance on one of the TV shows or a quick little burb talking about it. they were on set of filming it. And I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. So I'm kind of stoked. With that note, though, I'm kind of, like, way behind on what's up with Venom, what's up with Spider-Man. I don't even know. So, um, but I thought, hey, this Venom, Ink Alpha uh, would be a good place to start. turns out I was wrong because so much gone went on with the suit, but it's still a great issue. So I'm going to go back and just kind of uh, – I'll Google it and see what's been going on uh, with the suit. So so anyway, yeah, so it's um, Amazing Spider-Man, Venom, Ink Alpha, or part one. All right, so uh, as I was saying, so Venom uh, – Always been one of my favorite bad guys. He's one of those I wish that, like, Batman could fight because that would be a cool match. Maybe they did in some team-up crossovers. I don't know. It would be awesome.
0: And I don't really have too – sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. But but I don't really have too much experience with Venom. I Mm -hmm. have, you know, old issues of Amazing Spider-Man when he was wearing, you know, the black costume back in the late 80s, early 90s. -hmm.
1: So, yeah, the first issues I had gotten Spider-Man, because you'd mentioned the late 80s, early 90s, was I've told the story before. I'd gone in to get tubes in my ears, like the only surgical procedure I'd had before. And my aunt had sent me some comic books, and one of them was Amazing Spider-Man, and he had the black suit on. So that's kind of when I had started reading him. So, yeah. Um, Well, the cover to this is awesome. First off, this Venom Inc. Alpha is freaking awesome cover. So, Uh, no. Written by Dan Slott and Mike Costa. Ryan Stegman was the artist. uh, Brian Reber was a color artist. And the letterer was V.C. Joe's Carmagna. Carmagna. I'm going to pronounce that wrong. But yes. But the cover is amazing to this. Basically, it just kind of tells you what's going on with you know Peter. Things are uh, worse than ever for Peter Parker. His company goes bankrupt, and Peter has to no choice but to crash on his girlfriend, Bobby Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird's couch, uh, with a full-time job at the Daily Bugle, science editor, and his Aunt May to worry about. Only Peter's daily patrols as The Amazing Spider-Man have given him any kind of comfort. So he's kind of hit rock bottom now, in a sense, so... Then it says uh, things aren't going so well for Venom either. After uh, months in space, the symbiote is back in New York and reunited with Eddie Brock, but its behavior has become erratic and now requires a unique serum to keep its violent impulses in check. In exchange for this serum, Venom has been covertly helping Alchemax, a chemical and uh, conglomerate central something experiments, basically. (laughs) The text is really small. Whatever. Eddie Brock is working for somebody to get a serum to get the serum, basically. But the uh, and the interior page, it's just kind of cool. Classic Venom versus Spider-Man. So, again, I don't know what's been going on with it, but it sounds like the beginning of Venom, honestly, where the suit's erratic, Eddie Brock can't control it, and just goes nuts because, you know, Spider-Man got rid of it. Somebody else is wearing a suit, and they're being followed. There's an internal camera or something so they could see the action, but apparently there are numerous suits now. So that's something I have to look up and be like, oh, okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, that's something I I never realized, and I never heard of the character. did I. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's this gal running around in the Venom suit, and she's basically fighting crime, like Spider-Man would do, but um, she's kind of live streaming and talking to somebody Uh, as she's doing it. They're, you know, they got video of it as it's going on, hmm, kind of like Batman and maybe Alfred, so, or the Oracle, but, you know. But this gal is just kicking butt, wearing this Venom suit, looks pretty sweet, kind of got spiky hair. So it looks like Sonic the Hedgehog, honestly, <laughs> on the top. So, um, but she's there. These these guys are attacking this gal. She jumps in, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, "I got to leave." There's an alarm going off, so I got to go save somebody else. Well, the crazy thing is, is everybody knows that Venom's well, everybody should know the way to injure the suit or the symbiote is um, sound waves, basically. You know, to do any damage or whatever. So she shows up to this jewelry store where this alarm's going off. She's like, "Oh, I'm going to, um, you know, basically stop these guys from doing this." Well, there's a van there. She, the van door opens up, and this guy's got this huge gun and just blasts sound waves at her. And there's some really cool panels of the suit just basically peeling off of her um, as the sound waves are. There's one where she's down on all fours and the suit's raised up above her. And then all three of the guys now have it. And the guy who was on the phone, you know, live streaming with her, what's going on, what's happening, Um, they just blast her again. You see the suit crawl off of her, and the guy sitting there with this big gun says, mind if I try it? So there's somebody else now basically stole the suit from somebody, um, this gal. And it's pretty awesome panel to panel of it. This was last week in Philadelphia is what it said to start off the comic. Now it says New York City, the Guggenheim Museum. And there's guys in there trying to steal some art, basically. One guy is uh, basically making comic book lines, if you would. For example, says, "Excellent. Now that the ringer has done his part, it's time for the tumbler to do his." You know, giving a play-by-play, and his partner uh, must be the ringer. Says, "Dude, it's just us. It's just us here. You don't have to talk like that." And the other guy goes, "I like to get into character." So that's kind of funny. You know, they're doing the play-by-play, and all of a sudden, uh, Spider-Man shows up. You know, Spider-Man's giving his you know, witty words and stuff, and just basically beats the crap out of the guys. And then Black Cat appears, just starts her and Spider Man start going at it. Well, Black Cat slashes out and knocks down a piece of priceless uh, art, and so Peter jumps underneath it and it gets kind of trapped underneath it because it's big and heavy. So it's taking him time to lift it off himself. So while he's doing that, Black Cat goes and just steals some other stuff from the museum or whatever.
0: She's sort of like Catwoman, I would assume.
1: Yeah, Black Cat is yeah, totally, <laughs> yeah, totally like Catwoman. So. Um, but somebody else, so while that's happening, a guy's trying to call Peter um, and say, hey, you know, what's up? So this guy named Flash. So I got to look him up. Yeah, F-
0: Flash Thompson. Yeah. He was uh, Peter's, he was a bully and then later became his best friend, but he's handicapped. Right. Which you see in this book, but when he was Agent Venom, mm-hmm. he was like a super spy or something, and he was like Venom, but not... A villain Venom. He he like could control Venom.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember reading a little bit about him, so but now him and Peter are buddy buddies and they're just talking about and so Flash was the guy who was talking to the gal on the phone who had the other had the other suit, right? Yep. Yep, that was him. Yep. And he just kinda explains, hey, the suit's gone. And then all of a sudden, you see this huge Venom in the next panel is just destroying somebody, just beating the crap out of them. I mean, this is the Venom that I know. <laughs> so uh, going on, Venom must have been working as a good guy, you know, cause like the other one was the suits were. And this guy was, you know, basically selling guns, but he's trying to sell Venom. They're all fake. I was just ripping the guys off. I'm selling them fake guns and ripping them off. The guy's using them for stick up. You know, whatever. He, he paints the tips, the tips black rather than the orange. So Venom's just, you know, kind of threatening him. He goes toys. He goes talk about fear and, you know, then just slams the guy into the ground. You know, the guy's kind of dressed in a superhero outfit and just, you know, basically kills the guy almost. All of a sudden he says, no, stop. It's Eddie Brock. This is the Eddie Brock Venom that we know. And he's like, he's an idiot. Do not murder. We do not. Uh, we don't need to murder idiots. And that's Eddie talking to the suit, the venom suit.
0: Yeah. So he's really having really having trouble controlling the suit.
1: Right. Yeah. He, yeah. It's it's getting to him and he's trying to figure out what's going on. Why is that happening? Basically, he's having a hard time controlling because uh, we could always pretend they were real guns. Who cares what the venom suit says to him? So Eddie is able to overcome it, and it's kind of cool because then the suit just kind of rips in half, you know, and and Eddie's telling him, you know, what's gotten into you, uh, and he goes, I know where we need to go. So basically Eddie needs to go get some more serum, Uh, and the suit's telling him, you know, it's really cool because the suit's talking to him again like it used to, and he says it's time to get some new medicine. Anyway, Eddie Brock shows up get his medicine, and then there's another guy, which is Flash again, you know, but he's got – he's here to see uh, Liz Allen Ends up getting kicked out because he's come to see somebody else at the chemical place uh, where Eddie Brock is. Well, Spider-Man has been following him to see what's going on, basically. And Eddie's in there talking to a doctor. Hey, I need some more serum. Uh, We got to get this fixed because the suit is uh, keeps screwing up, you know. He needs a serum that can evolve with the symbiote because the symbiote is doing that. So they're trying to make serums that evolve with the symbiote, kind of like a virus in a sense. You know, like the flu virus every year is different. Yep. And that's kind of how they're trying to handle the soup. It's always a different serum. Anyway, this doctor's telling, you know, there's these huge containers full of the serum that he's been making. And basically the doctor's saying a large sample size left, it can accidentally end up killing the symbiote, you know, and Eddie just kind of freaks out, you know, he doesn't want the symbiote to be killed, obviously. And then Flash is here to say, hey, I want to make sure that the suit doesn't hurt anybody again. So Flash wants the suits to get rid of, basically, where Eddie's like, no, you can't. You know, he goes, it's not about control or falling orders like a soldier. It's about us. We are Venom. So Eddie, you know, basically turns into Venom right in front of him. And uh, Spider-Man can hear what's going on. And the cops are coming in because it sounds like a uh, he called the cops. So the cops are coming in. Spider-Man's breaking in. Spider-Man's got to take out the cops and by that time Eddie and Flash are just kind of having a back and forth talking well the symbiote is pulling off of um Eddie and wants to go to Flash you know it's kind of torn between the two Flash Eddie Flash Eddie which yeah, is Yeah, it's a, very conflicted which
0: yeah. is very cool. There's a very cool panel where it's in the, the heads in the middle and it's yep. the rest of the body is And both of them are screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it's really sweet where it's deciding who to go to. Well, then the doctor's like, well, I'm just going to check on what's keeping security.
0: <laughs> He's trying to
1: ride off in his wheelchair. And all of a sudden Spider-Man's there. So Spider-Man shows up. So the great thing is this line where he says, look, I'm here because my best friend and my worst enemy. So Flash Thompson and Eddie Brock are turning into, turning your lab into a Cronenberg film. <laughs> Weird, but true. So if you know, <laughs> you think about David Cronenberg films <laughs> and then you see the panel in the back, it looks like a Cronenberg film where the, symbiote suit is like going between eddie and flash and just trying to it's just a mess basically the suit is it's this big mess nightmare and uh, spider-man's ripping pieces of it off and he's throwing it piece by piece into the big tubs of the material up there and so what uh he asked the doctor hey what is that stuff up there and so the doctor says it's an astrobiological serum that in small doses regulates the hormonal output of the symbiote and interrupts its ability to – and he goes, got it. Hurts symbiote. It's harmful to humans. <laughs> it's what Spider-Man says. So he jumps up and then just pushes it from the wall and then just knocks it on to the Venom suit, onto Eddie and Flash Thompson, you know, onto the symbiote suit, just kicks it over, this huge container of it, spills all out, gets all over. And all of a sudden, Spider's like, "Flash, you okay, buddy?" And not Venom. He goes, "Yeah, I'm good, not Venom." So, so not Venom, in fact. And all of a sudden, this white suit Spider-Man appears. He says, "I'm anti-Venom." <laughs> so, a complete new suit was created out of this um, being spilled on him. So after that, shows the guy who was getting beat up by Venom earlier in the bar. You know, talking about how uh, thought he was gonna get eaten. You know, and uh, the, the bartender tells him he smells like pee. <laughs> so. Uh, then he's got an offer he can't refuse. And then uh, somebody spits some venom serum onto him, which is crazy. Not the, the symbiote onto him, kind of spits it onto him and says, No, don't, don't. He falls down. He says, Don't worry about a thing, boss. And his text goes into black. So now he's got a venom face. He goes, Oh, I don't. I'm just the kind of maniac. Welcome, looter. You just became a made man. And all of a sudden, there's a whole room full of guys standing there with just, like, Venom faces, you know, from the symbiote. So apparently the guys that stole the one earlier have turned it into something to make their own gang. So, yeah, it's an awesome issue to read, basically, to get a good start back on Venom. I have to go back and read some of the old story, but uh, this is a comic I'm going to continue reading just because it seems pretty sweet and what's going on. So, Because it's got Venom back in the Venom that I know and love from when I was a kid. So what
0: did you think of the issue? No, I think this is a very good jumping-on point for somebody. And you don't really need to know a lot about Venom. You don't need to really know the history. It might help. Mm-hmm. It might help your understanding of the character and your enjoyment. But I haven't read a lot of Venom. Mm-hmm. And I was able to understand exactly what's going on, That the... Venom is kind of unique as far as, here he, he's split into I don't know how many pieces, and right. you're making like a gang of Venoms, and then you got the anti-Venom, which has, have we seen anti-Venom before?
1: I haven't, no, so yeah.
0: No. Okay. So I don't know. It's interesting, but Eddie Brock still appears like he's got part of the Venom on him.
1: hmm Yeah,
0: totally. There at the end, it's a good, good setup with, you know, all these guys are like the Venom gang. But this is probably what some of these comics need to do when they have a movie coming out. You need like a special crossover type things to get people excited about the character again. Yeah, definitely. I know he's had a series on and off. I don't know if he currently has a series because I really haven't delve too much into venom and spider-man as of late so very cool the artwork is great yeah
1: the art's great on it so
0: you know it's sort of a cartoony like art but it still has a lot of descriptive it's perfect for spider-man that can bend all those different you know very uh gymnastic type jumps and different things
1: right yeah it was it was, it was a great issue, and like I said, like you said too, it's a good one to start back on.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it's crossing over through some of the amazing Spider-Man issues, and they, I I see it down here now. Venom is up to... Because they changed the number of Venom right. to number like 160 or something like that. So let's take a break here, and we'll be back. Warlord Worlds. A fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Starslayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. Join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at Podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at WarlordWorlds.com. Damn good coffee. And hot. Our next book is going to be my new book. And my new book that I picked was Spirits of Vengeance number three. From December 2017. Here to Vengeance number three is a miniseries. In this miniseries we have a cast of characters who, I guess you could say, the team is... They don't officially call them Spirits of Vengeance, but that's what the team is. And in this team, you have Blade, we have Ghost Rider, and it's the Johnny Blaze ghost rider because more recently ghost rider was somebody else and Hmm. he actually had a car not a motorcycle
1: that's interesting
0: (laughs) and yeah and the two other characters and i'm not super familiar with and that is damien hellstrom and satana hellstrom they're actually the son and daughter of satan and they've been around a while. They've been around the 70s. Damien Hellstrom actually had his first appearance in Ghost Rider number 1 from 73. And then Santana, the sister, had an appearance also in 73. It was in Vampire Tales. Very cool. But, yeah, that's her our, that's our four characters of uh this comic. I'm right in the middle. I picked this issue because I'm right in the middle of the series. I enjoy Blades, one of my favorite Marvel characters, and I really like Ghost Rider. Also, that's why I picked this one. I always liked when there were word balloons mm-hmm. on covers. It goes kind of old school, you know what I mean, with uh, word balloons. And on this one, they use the title in, in the word balloons, and one of the character, Roseanne, lifting up Ghost Rider by his chest and says, Are these... The Spirits of Vengeance Pathetic? <laughs> it's a, they have, like, the question mark in the wrong place. and Right. <laughs> like the, here, they're in the wrong place. Get you guys into where we're at so far at the series. The basic story, at the at the dawn time, of time, heaven and hell had forged a pact called the Covenant. They're always at war, but they have a ceasefire at this Covenant. Cur, where they changed the rules of engagement where they renegotiated how they basically have battle. Previously, Johnny Blaze was handed a silver bullet by a dying angel, sought out Damien Hellstrom for some answers. Unbeknownst to them, this silver bullet belonged to a sorcerer named Nicodemus, who tried to reclaim his his medal that... And he has tasked a lieutenant called Razan the Night Jackal. That's just a cool name, the Night Jackal. Right, yeah. And, and she's trying to prevent, I guess it's a she, it looks like a she, but trying to prevent the knowledge of the existence from spreading, trying to kill Johnny Blaze and Blade, for that matter, and whoever is else. With this silver, what they're trying to do is create a weapon that will actually kill an agent of heaven or an angel for good that's basically the gist of what have happened so far we get into this book and we find what the silver actually is which is kind of interesting mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting because you find out that the silver coins that were given to Judas is the curse silver and they were 30 pieces and well the one that they or trying to retrieve, was made into a bullet. This silver was found and sealed away and guarded for centuries by human beings until one of the human beings decided to sell to the highest bidder. As the story goes along, you have Damien Hellstorm and Blade and Ghost Rider, Johnny Storm, get attacked by this Roseanne, the Night Jackal, trying to retrieve this silver. And she actually gets the silver from Damien Hellstrom and the three, it's actually four, because Santana's there also. They're still trying to figure out what's going on, because they don't realize what the silver is, what it's for, or what the purpose is. So they're in the dark, and the re- as the reader, see what's going on as it's playing out. It ends up that Blade and Santana head to this place called the Port of Brimstone, which is supposed to be miles under Manhattan. Blade described, and this is the best quote of the whole book. <laughs> A wrench hive of scum and villainy.
1: Yeah, what's that sound like? Yeah,
0: we never heard that one before. Have no, we?
1: never. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs>
0: That's funny. They go there. There There's some interactions between some of the creatures there. They all look crazy. They end up running into the person that had acquired the silver and sold the silver to this Necrodamus, a woman. You didn't get a name, but she was going to explain to him what went on and what was going on. And on the next page you have that they finally gave that last piece of silver to this creature called the Dark Dwarf Ragnar. ...who has finally made this weapon that that is able to destroy an angel or kill an angel. One of the reasons why I picked this book is I really enjoy the characters in here. And I haven't seen Ghost Rider, really, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider in a while where I read about him. I I like the story so far. I like the interactions that we're having. The one thing that I do not love is the art... Yeah, like
1: there's some panels that are awesome, but then there's some of it is just like – you can tell they use the computer a lot in some of them, like for the action and moving stuff. And then there's the one panel of the uh, dark dwarf when he's hammering. It looks like a cheesy Disney villain smile when it's kind of just a smile and eyes.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, It's – yeah.
0: That's what this artwork sometimes reminds me of is a Disney movie. Yeah. You know, some of the facial expressions. I did not like the look of Ghost Rider. And at first, when I was reading this, uh, did they change the look of Ghost Rider? But they really didn't, because from the cover, you can tell it's the same old Ghost Rider. It's just this artist's interpretation of Ghost Rider. He looks kind of cool from a distance when he's on the bike. The yeah. way it's flaming out. But there's a panel on there where his arms and legs are so skinny they look like toothpicks almost
1: yeah they're making them a whole skeleton almost versus you know like the instead of just the face we normally see or something you know so yeah
0: i do i do like the story so far i'm not gonna say it's the best story i've ever read i am in, enjoying it it's something that i have enjoyed so and these characters you don't see them in a lot it's not like these are a a aidless characters that you see all the time and they always have a book and it's always right. been something I mean blade I don't know how many appearances he's had in the last ten years, but it's probably not been only a handful
1: well in the one scene with him when they're in the cantina ha no, ha <laughs> <laughs> is when the uh the guy's saying uh comes up from behind him. Your time's over, and our kind will be looking for payback. Since you're here, might as well start with, you know, those two vampires, and he just kills them both. Obviously, it's kind of uh, Cantina a la Star Wars, almost, it seems like, <laughs> just like we said. So I was like, that scene almost seemed like Obi-Wan and Luke, you know, and Mos Eisley, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was two vampires, but one of them had two heads.
1: Yeah, it was weird, yeah, so... It- it was interesting so but yeah it's a it was interest it was a cool comic to read I, I mean i might jump into the series but like you said the art was probably the the biggest letdown about it not saying it was bad it was just a different style
0: maybe i don't know what it was it was yeah, just yeah i mean some of the faces on the human looking characters weren't too bad some of the exagger- i'm going to say exaggerations on razans on this creature that almost looks like it has several heads. It exaggerates the characters a little too much, especially Ghost Rider.
1: It was a good read. It was a fun read. You know, even for like a – it was a third issue,
0: right? Yeah, it was the third issue, and I think they're doing like six. Cool. You know, and that's what comics should be about. It's, it's fun. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you get away from the seriousness of life and –
1: Right. Get back to the uh, I want fun fake stories, not reality, because I use my comics for escapism. So, but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, look out! Oh, oh. That really
1: hurt. I'm going to have a lump there,
0: you idiot.
1: Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Awesome. So my comic is uh, my old one is uh, Batman. Issue number 49, it is from October 1948. This one goes a ways back. The reason I chose this one is because in the past I know I've done Batman with like the first appearance of uh, the Scarecrow. And um, this one, a buddy of mine kind of inspired me because I played the Batman miniature game from Night Models. And he just finished painting his Mad Hatter crew. That's cool. So I started thinking about, man, I've never really read the first issue with the Mad Hatter. So I went and did some research and found, oh, it's issue 49. So great. Decided to read it. So this is the first appearance of the Mad Hatter, but also as someone else in uh, Bruce Wayne's life. That would be the very beautiful Vicki Vale. The redheaded Vicki Vale. The redheaded Vicki Vale. We need that sound clip from uh, Batman – you know, with Prince going, Vicky Vell from the song. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? That was uh, Kim Basinger, right? Yeah. It was Vicky Vell?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, Vicky Vell. So this is uh, Batman, and it's great because uh, obviously it's an older comic. The greatest thing about these are the back when they would do the, like, the scroll. Now, this issue is there's two stories in it. Um, this is the second story in the issue, but I love just uh, – I'm going to read the scroll, and we'll just go page by page. You know, it says, lights, action, camera. Let's focus on a new menace in Batman's life. But this new menace and menace in quotations is a pretty one for it is Vicki Vell girl photographer. <laughs> and it says Vicky will climb the highest mountain, swim the deepest seas just to get a picture. So you can imagine what length she'll go to to get a picture proving Bruce Wayne is Batman gets set to view a series of action snapshots as Batman tries to walk out of the picture that could well be the scoop of the century. So basically the main story is about Vicki Vell trying to basically solve the riddle of Bruce Wayne being Batman. That's what we get through the whole issue, is Vicki Vell is somehow she's convinced that Bruce Wayne is Batman, which, you know, of course she's correct because we all know that. <laughs> but <laughs> the Mad Hatter story is kind of like a side note to the Vicki Vale story. Basically, when we first interact with her, is Bruce is at some yacht club, dressed as a sailor, which is hilarious. Or a captain, I guess, with his smoker's jacket and his captain's hat. And Vicki Vell came in to um, get some pictures of Bruce Wayne. Now, there's no backstory on why Vicki thinks Bruce Wayne is Batman, though. So it's just, they just kind of started out, hey, this is what we're going to... Do so. And uh so of course Bruce is flirting with her here and there and she decides to take pictures. And after that first meeting there they're at they're in the yacht club still, and that's when Matt Hatter shows up with two of his goons. The great thing is is he looks exactly the same still. You know, from what we saw current day to from now to back then, it's the same look. Small man, large hat, looks like Matt Hatter, you know. Picture Tom Petty and his don't come around here no more video. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but basically, Mad Hatter's going around and committing a bunch of robberies. You know, steals a trophy from the Yacht Club because he hears it's worth 5000 in gold. 5000 in gold. Yeah, that's... That's That's great. Right. Yeah. That big old trophy. And of course, Bruce is able to sneak away, comes back as Batman. And all of a sudden, uh, Batman and Mad Hatter are fighting on some sailboats because they're at the Yacht Club. You know, Bruce ends up... Batman ends up taking him out. And Vicky's on another boat taking pictures. This is one of my favorite parts. There's two great parts to this. And one of them is the Mad Hatter pulls out a gas gun and shoots it at Batman and it's him to, to cough, you know. And then the next part is he throws the gun at Batman and he hits Batman in the face uh, with the gun.
0: You know what just popped in my head when I, what, I see this that? panel where he's throwing the gun and basically takes Batman out in the gun? It's I, – I don't know <laughs> right. if you've seen any of the Austin Power movies. Oh, yes. And he throws a shoe. <laughs> You know, yes. from like Goldfinger, yes, odd job, odd job the like, hat. Yeah, he's like, who throws a shoe? Right, and yeah. Like, who throws a gun?
1: <laughs> well, it gets better, and what gets thrown later, so. The key to him getting hit in the chin with a gun is that, um, so he gets a little cut on his chin. So Batman does. Vicki Vale tells him put some iodine on it, which is hilarious because when I was a kid, that's all we put on cuts and scratches was iodine. We had this bottle of iodine that my grandmother had, my mother had, that it was just iodine. So yeah.
0: <laughs> she apparently carries that yeah. for everywhere. Everyone does, yeah.
1: But, uh, so the picture goes to the newspaper, the picture magazine, Vicky brings it, and, uh, her boss is telling her, you know, it's, That's it, Batman at work. We want a series of that. So Vicky decides to go to Commissioner Gordon and see if she can work with him. Basically, get some more pictures of Batman in action. And so um, basically the Mad Hatter left another clue, which was leaving a hat. Commissioner Gordon calls Batman with the bat signal, and Batman shows up. And they can't figure out why there's a hat. But the great thing is, is Batman, they they make sure to show this little band-aid on Batman's chin in all these panels. So (laughs) they're trying to figure out the riddle of this hat. You know, tells him, she goes, oh, if you were a woman, you'd know that this type of derby is worn by women horse riders. So, of course. So, <laughs> you know, she knows the clue and uh, lets uh, Batman and and Robin there also let him know. So they figure out the next place Mad Hatter's going to attack is this uh, horse show that was coming up that Bruce had flirted with Vicky earlier in the comic. And the funny thing is, though, so uh, Vicky goes to call uh, Bruce to get into the thing. And so he, this is he drives all the way home from the police station Gets home just in time for the phone ringing to answer Vicky's call.
0: Yeah, he races home to try to beat the phone call. <laughs> yeah, because of course there's no bat phone.
1: Right, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and then they're at the society show, and then there's um, Bruce is there with Vicky, and she notices, but uh, he's got a cut on his chin, and uh, he said, "Oh, it, it's just from shaving." So <laughs> all of a sudden, Mad Hatter and his two goons show up, and they're all fighting. Vicky runs to take pictures, so of course bruce runs away to turn into batman and they're beating up all the you know the mad hatter and his goons and there's a great part where um mad hatter's getting ready to shoot robin and all of a sudden batman's on a horse jumping through a flaming hoop now this is a high society horse show thing, but here's batman riding on a horse jumping through a flaming hoop so it's pretty awesome and he had grabbed some pole and uh basically uh jousted uh, the mad hatter off so the mad hatter uh Pulls out some smoke from his hat and runs away. They they, they get away again. <laughs> Vicky's like, oh, Bruce, you disappeared. And he's like, oh, I, I ran to go get the cops, you know, call the cops or whatever. And then uh, there's a panel where Vicky's like, well, every time Bruce disappears, Batman appears. And there's that cut on Bruce's chin like Batman's. I wonder if it's possible Bruce's playboy pose is just an act. She decides to go back to her dark room and she superimposes a picture of Bruce Wayne onto the picture of Batman that she has, and of course it's a perfect match. And uh, but she wanted to be able to prove it even more, so um, she decided to put some fluorescent powder on her hand, and she thinks she's gonna trick. So somehow Batman gets a hold of her and. Um, Batman, they meet at the police headquarters and Batman says, OK, that's great. Let's go to the Batcave. we got a clue. We've got to do an examination of some hat, you know. So Vicky still has his powder on and she asks, I've always wondered what it was like to wear Batman's glove, <laughs> which is <laughs> the strangest
0: thing. And his glove is glowing when she puts right. it on. Yeah, yeah, so she puts it on, takes off.
1: She's in a dark room, so basically the glove, the powder makes the glove glow. She figures that the powder will then transfer to Bruce's hand later on, so if it's glowing, she'll tell. Not that, you know, Bruce doesn't wash his hands or anything, apparently. <laughs>
0: so, God, and where do you pick up this powder? You go. To the I don't know, fluorescent store? powder, yeah. yeah. It, it's,
1: pr- it's probably um, banned now by the FDA, so I can't get it anymore. So. <laughs> uh,
0: there you go.
1: Kids, you have radiation. <laughs> so Vicky's taking pictures of his trophy room, and all of a sudden, hey, I found a uh, a clue to where Mad Hatter's going to appear next. Barn, and there's a stage presentation of Alice in Wonderland, and so that's where he figures that Mad Hatter's at. Batman and Robin jump up on Mad Hatter and his crew at the table, and this is the the greatest thing. Batman throws a cat. At one of the goons, but we don't know where the cat comes from.
0: <laughs> it was in his utility belt. It had to be in his utility belt.
1: Just as a smile of the Cheshire cat finally disappeared, so will yours, and he's throwing a cat. So it's just <laughs> – yeah, it's the greatest thing because the panel above doesn't show any cat anywhere – so he's just carrying it in his utility pouch. So a big pouch throws a cat. So uh, Vicky Bell shows up too, went with him and uh, takes a picture of Mad Hatter and, you know, confuses him. So Batman punches him, whatever. Basically, Bruce then has a date with Vicky Bell later. He's like, I'll bring her some flowers. And he shows up to bring her flowers. And just then Vicky turns the lights off and Bruce's hand is glowing. Well, then he pulls out his other hand and they're both glowing. And she's trying to figure out why. And Bruce tells her, oh, those flowers they are novelty flowers. They are sprayed with some uh, luminescent powder. To make him shine in the dark, I rubbed some of the p- off some powder from the petals when I handled them. So Vicky's ploy on you know seeing if Batman is Batman, you know Bruce is Batman to see the the glowing uh, didn't work. The way Bruce found out was when he was examining the hat in the in his own lab in dark room. He took his glove off to fine tune something, and his right hand was glowing. So he knew Vicky was trying to uh, figure it out, but basically. Vicky isn't able to prove it, and it ends with the two of them kind of facing each other in thought bubbles. And Bruce's line is, now that I fooled her, there will be no harm in seeing her again. And then, of course, Vicky says, I have a feeling he tricked me. Mr. Bruce Wayne, you'll be seeing more of me. So, (laughs) Yeah. Again. Classic story. I mean, written like all of the old ones because, of course, it's issue 49. But real quick, panel to panel. Batman and Robin solve a crime. But basically a new villain is introduced who's become a long-term villain. You know, he's not a completely A-lister like all the other ones, but he's still up there. And, of course, Vicky Vell's appearance, too, which, you know, for years she's come and gone in the issues and stuff. So overall it was just a great, fun issue to read. Not a lot of history on the Mad Hatter, uh, but just the first story he appeared in, basically, which is great.
0: And and you see the Mad Hatter in this. He doesn't have any trick hats or anything in his hats to control anybody. Yeah. He has a gas gun. Uh, it mentions in here earlier that he leaves clues the right. crime scenes just like the Riddler yeah. and the Joker. And uh, I imagine these earlier ones, they were they were probably more similar than...
1: Right, they're just trying to flesh them all out, basically, to make them different, you know, so...
0: So, a couple things I wanted to mention about this book. When I see Batman going through the flaming hoop on a horse... <laughs> I will see him on a horse from now on. Because you've seen him in the last few years on a horse or something.
1: I'm going to think of that
0: panel of him jumping through this flaming (laughs)
1: poop. Well, there was at one point where Snyder had him on a horse. Scott Snyder and Capullo did the art. I'd have to go back and look.
0: Yeah, it was zero year. Yeah, it was zero year. Yeah,
1: right? And he jumps through the flames on a horse. (laughs) So (laughs)
0: That's awesome when they have, like, callbacks to these issues. I've not read a lot of these older issues, Mm -hmm. like, in the first hundred or so. I've read a few here and there. They've all been... I'm I'm glad to see they take... Like, this stuff doesn't translate real well into modern stories. But the pieces they've taken from those stories is really cool to see yeah
1: yeah it's a lot of fun to go back and read the old stories and see where we've go- come to you know so
0: and i really look forward to a future story when they have a throwback to him throwing the cat <laughs> That is still the- I, w- I wonder how that's going to translate <laughs> that is still the greatest <laughs> so yeah there was an issue of detective back when the new 52 started and if i remember correctly i could be wrong but he is like rounding a dark corridor or something in the city, and he comes to these vicious dogs who are snarling at him. And then all of a sudden, he has some raw meat <laughs> that he pulls out of his pockets and throws to the dogs. Nice. So yeah, that sort of reminded me of like the cat. I mean, do you have raw meat in your? <laughs> Is it a magical, you know, it's utility belt where it's endless, you just keep pulling stuff out?
1: He is prepared for everything. Come on, we know this.
0: <laughs> that is true. And I'm sure this, you know, Vicky Vale trying to figure out his identity or probably many other characters has happened over the early issues. I'm sure that is been a theme that gets repeated oh yeah 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 that was a very cool issue
1: yeah it was a lot of fun
0: so we got a email that i wanted to tell you everybody about i'll just go ahead and read it and if you send in an email that's uh, your you will be on the show yeah you will be famous glory riches internet famous All that good stuff maybe there you go <laughs> so the email starts out it says hi bill and seth i just finished listening to your latest episode and laugh when you said you would read an email if you ever received an email, so here's an email. Right. I will confess to listening, but not writing in a long time. In fact, I guess I last wrote probably through a Twitter message chain long ago. Sorry about that. Still, I want to say that I enjoy your format and your conversations, and this episode was particularly fun since it included an issue of Tomb of Dracula with Blade. I used oh, to buy yeah. and read Tomb of Dracula. I remember doing that episode. Yep. Uh, I think that was Tomb of, Tomb of Dracula number 10. It was the first appearance of Blade. Yep. It says, I used to buy and read Tomb of Dracula regularly as a kid, and like you guys, really like the Blade movies. So I thoroughly enjoyed your coverage. Take care and keep enjoying those old and new comics. And it's Darren... And I've interacted with Darren, and he is from the Warlord Worlds podcast that he does with his wife, Ruth. Warlord Worlds is a Mike Grell podcast. Very good, in fact. I've listened to it. You should check those guys out, and thank you very much for the email.
1: You're right. We'll read it. Come on.
0: (laughs) And if you would like to join the conversation, we have an email address, Yes, of course. It's Too old Too new podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at two old Too new. I'm at Gathanite thirteen and Seth is Seth Must Die. You can catch our episodes. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. So is there anything else you'd like to add? No. Thank you for listening to Two New. Until next time. For Seth, I am Bill, and we will see you later. See ya. We have come to the end of another exciting episode of the comic book podcast, hosted
1: by Bill and Seth. Join us next time we review two old and two new comic books. Watch ya!